Hello, my friends. Justin Trudeau came out with his most pro-Hamas statement yet. Just absolutely shocking. I'll show you some reaction to it, including from Israel, but also from right here in Canada. That's next. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of the show. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe, eight bucks a month. That's what helps us pay our bills here. We don't get any government money, of course, and we've been demonetized by YouTube. So we really rely on you. Please help us out if you can. Rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Trudeau accuses Israel of killing babies in his most shocking act of Hamas propaganda yet. It's November 15th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Justin Trudeau has gone further than he ever has before. Yesterday, he made a public statement that could have been written by Hamas itself. Here, take a listen. The human tragedy that is unfolding in Gaza is heart-wrenching, especially the suffering we see in and around the Al-Shifa hospital. I have been clear that the price of justice cannot be the continued suffering of all Palestinian civilians. Even wars have rules. All innocent life is equal in worth, Israeli and Palestinian. I urge the government of Israel to exercise maximum restraint. As the world is watching on TV, on social media, we're hearing the testimonies of doctors, family members, survivors, kids who've lost their parents. The world is witnessing this, the killing of women and children, of babies. This has to stop. You know he's serious because he's using his substitute drama teacher voice. I have been clear. As if the whole world was hanging on his every word. Hey, is the Canadian Prime Minister weighed in yet? Let's go listen to him. He used the phrase, the price of justice. A war actually is not about justice. I suppose that part of it is justice, but it's actually about making sure that Hamas cannot ever attack Israel again. It's a military objective, not a legal objective. By the way, even though Israel is about halfway through Gaza now, Hamas is still firing rockets at Israeli civilians literally every single day. They haven't stopped. That's why the war continues, to eradicate these new Nazis and stop them from shooting. Even wars have rules, I suppose. Um, Trudeau says it. But what rule is Trudeau suggesting Israel has violated? It's not actually against the laws of war to accidentally cause collateral damage to citizens. It's regrettable, but there is no war in history that has not had civilian casualties, including in hospitals. Here's a headline from the U.S.-led war against ISIS a few years ago. Airstrikes take out ISIS, or IS headquarters, in Mosul Hospital. I'm sorry it happens, obviously, but that's part of the terrorist move. Have civilians as human shields. 
you can't stop that from happening. The terrorists know that's your law and they'll use your law against you. It's very well known that Hamas deliberately uses hospitals as their terrorist bases. Here's the Wall Street Journal citing U.S. intelligence confirming it. But we don't need intelligence guesses anymore. Israel is now in the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza, the main hospital, and they've already found all sorts of Hamas terrorist weapons in the hospital already. That was known, by the way, before Trudeau made his speech last night. So Israel does have rules of war, and it does follow them. It goes further than most allied armies do. It provided a humanitarian corridor to let the civilians out. It dropped a million leaflets telling civilians to get out, and most of them did. That's not just following the rules of war. It's following those rules of war more than any other military in world history has done. I don't want to laugh right now, but this made me chuckle. Take a look. On this day in 1944, heartless Winston Churchill refused a ceasefire and continued the genocidal attack on Nazi Germany. As we well know now, far more German civilians have died in the war, which makes them the victims and Britain the war criminal. Say, in his little speech there, why didn't Trudeau ask Hamas to follow the rules of war, to stop using human shields, to stop shooting at Israeli civilians to release the hostages. Not a word about their obligations. None of those things are permitted under the laws of war or any laws, actually. That's what I mean when I say that Trudeau perfectly echoed the Hamas talking points. Imagine not having a word to say about terrorists holed up in a hospital, terrorists holding babies as hostages. Not a word about any of that, not even in his drama teacher voice. But that last part there... The world is witnessing the killing and ch of children and babies, that Trudeau said. That's pure blood libel. That's pure medieval-style Jew hatred. I mean, why not just say Jews use blood to bake their matzah bread or Jews poison the village well? Immediately, Hamas has used that propaganda. Trudeau said it last night. It's already in circulation, that killing of the babies line. It was a shocking attack by Trudeau, so one-sided, and it was... Very late at night in Israel, but no one less than the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu himself replied at length. Let me read to you his reply written in English and published on Twitter. Justin Trudeau, it is not Israel that is deliberately targeting civilians, but Hamas, the beheaded, burned, and massacred civilians in the worst horrors perpetrated on Jews since the Holocaust. While Israel is doing everything to keep civilians out of harm's way, Hamas is doing everything to keep them in harm's way. Israel provides civilians in Gaza humanitarian corridors and safe zones. Hamas prevents them from leaving a gunpoint. It is Hamas, not Israel, that should be held accountable for committing a double war crime, targeting civilians while hiding behind civilians. The force of civilization must back Israel in defeating Hamas barbarism. I think, if I'm not mistaken, by the way, that the only G7 leader who has not visited Israel during the war is Trudeau. It's pretty obvious why. He's pro-Hamas. But I couldn't help think of our substitute drama teacher taking a run at Netanyahu. I, here's a tweet I made of the two leaders and how they spent their youth. Yeah, it's not, not a comparison in, in terms of gravitas, is it? It wasn't just Netanyahu who responded to Trudeau, by the way. Here's the Israeli leader of the opposition. So basically all of Israel thinks Trudeau's a schmuck. Yair Lapid said, 
Prime Minister Trudeau, Israel is defending itself in difficult conditions against a brutal terrorist organization while trying to rescue babies, children, women, and men who are being held hostage by Hamas ISIS. Responsibility for this terrible situation rests with Hamas ISIS. Then he wrote a second part. Hamas launched this war. Hamas hides in civilian buildings, and Hamas abuses Gazans as human shields. If Canada ever found itself under a sustained and brutal attack, like the one we face now, you would find Israel by your side. We expect the same support. Trudeau was being one-sided against the democracy, and he was smearing that democracy, and he didn't have a word to say against Hamas itself. He's retailing propaganda against Israel, like he did when he prematurely declared that Israel had attacked another hospital with a missile, remember, a few weeks ago? But very soon it was found out that it was actually a Palestinian terrorist rocket that went astray, that hit the hospital. Trudeau still hasn't apologized for his lie, by the way, nor has Melanie Jolie, the foreign minister who did the same. There's a lot of lying going on. Look at this stunning, half-hearted apology by the BBC. And now uh, an apology from the BBC. A BBC News, uh, as it covered uh, initial reports that Israeli forces has entered Gaza's main hospital. We said that medical teams and Arab speakers were being targeted. This was incorrect and misquoted a Reuters report. We should have said IDF forces included medical teams and Arabic speakers for this operation. So we apologize for this error, which fell below our usual editorial standards. The correct version of events was broadcast minutes later. Yeah, what a lie. Here's actual images of Israel bringing in incubators and other medical supplies to that hospital. They didn't destroy the hospital. Uh, a hospital, but there sure were a lot of non-hospital people in there when the Israelis were about to arrive who were panicking. Why would a doctor at a hospital panic? Well, those weren't doctors, were they? You know, I don't quote him much these days, but David Frum had an accurate tweet about Trudeau. Here's what he said. Justin Trudeau's public reprimand of Israel tonight will have zero effect on the region. He must know that. In Canada, however, his words will be heard as permission by those harassing Jews. He should know that too. He is risking Jewish safety to cushion the drop in his polls. I think that's exactly right. I think Trudeau alienated some Muslims a few months ago by saying that any parent who is worried about transgender extremism in schools is probably a racist. Trudeau said that. I think he's trying to win those voters back and shore up his support in general. But it's never enough, is it? You can't negotiate or compromise with terrorists. They'll just accept your compromise as their new starting point, their new front line, and continue their attack from there. Here's that Firas al-Najm guy who we did a show about the other day. Um, he had that fake Hamas Remembrance Day, remember? And here he is heckling Trudeau a couple of days ago. Why are you supporting Israel? Don't push me. Hey, don't push me. I'm standing. Why are you supporting Israel? Hey, relax. I'm, I'm talking to the prime minister. Don't, 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 don't breach my rights. Why do you say Hamas is a terrorist organization? Because Hamas is not a terrorist organization. No, they're Palestinian resistance. What about Ukrainian resistance? You're just, you're just bowing down to the Israelis. Why, they can't fight back? They can't fight back? Shame on you, Trudeau. Shame on you. He stood with the Israelis, with the war criminals, the ones that are breaching international law, killing babies. That was him a few days ago. And last night, a swarm of about there were dozens of Hamas supporters, uh, they surrounded Trudeau at a restaurant in Vancouver. A hundred Vancouver police had to be deployed. 
And the Hamas supporters attacked the police. Some charges were laid. But look, everyone seems to hate Trudeau. According to polls, the latest poll out by Abacus shows Trudeau is at an all-time low for approval. Just staggered down in the past week. 58% of people disapprove of him, just 25% approve. Looks like the NDP is sopping up some of that pro-terrorism vote. I mean, I don't think that even Trudeau can compete with this. Shame on the double standards of the Western world when they talk about an international rule-based order. Because the world is awakening to the atrocities in Gaza, the atrocities in Palestine, and the atrocities in the Western. The extreme example set by the authoritarian Doug Ford regime. Shame! To censor my sister, Sarah Jammer, along Shame. with her removal from her own caucus. and emboldened others to become less tolerant of, of those rights. And the occupation! And the occupation! And the occupation! And the occupation! And the siege of Gaza! And the siege of Gaza! And the siege of Gaza! I love you. I love each and every one of you. Know that you're making a difference. Know that your actions matter. Know that there are people listening. That's an actual NDP member of parliament. But I think the stupidest statement I've seen this week goes to the woman that Trudeau just appointed to be his anti-Semitism commissioner. And before you ask, that means she's against anti-Semitism, not for it. I should clarify because with Trudeau, you, you never know. So look at this. This is what she said. Her name is Deborah Lyons. Someone had written, oh, just lovely. We can now fight Hamas with World Kindness Day. Gee whiz, why didn't we ever think of that? So a sarcastic comment about World Kindness Day. And Trudeau's appointee in charge of fighting anti-Semitism actually wrote back, worth a try, and heaven knows we need a little more kindness these days. Are you serious? So that, that's how you're going to fight back against anti-Semitism. That's how you're going to fight back against Hamas, the murders and the rapes of countless Jews, the hostages. That's how you're going to fight back against screaming jihadist mobs by acts of kindness. What a fool. What an embarrassment. But really, what can she do? I mean, look at her boss. What can she do other than resign? She's looking for anti-Semitism. It's coming from inside the house, lady. It's coming from Justin Trudeau himself. I mentioned that the largest pro-Israel rally in history happened yesterday in Washington, D.C., and a couple of Trudeau's Jewish cabinet ministers went down there. Here's Anthony Housefather, who's a junior uh, cabinet minister. He says, today in the world's most powerful democracy, in front of the Capitol in D.C., Yara Sachs, David Lega, and I joined 250,000 others to support Israel, demand the release of the hostages held by Hamas, and to denounce the rise of anti-Semitism. We gained strength from each other today. Got it. Got it. So while Trudeau is in Canada denouncing Israel as a war criminal, not mentioning the hostages, his cabinet ministers are hobnobbing in photo shoots far away in another country, showing how pro-Israel they are. Imagine staying on as a liberal cabinet minister 
in Trudeau's party after Trudeau calls Israel a genocidal war criminal. As the book of Mark says in the New Testament, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? These Jewish MPs are willing to give up their dignity, their soul, but not for the whole world, just for some junior cabinet position in a government that's going to be voted out of office very soon. For that, they're giving up all their dignity and supporting an anti-Semite. What a disgrace. And the whole world sees it. Stay with us for more. focus like a laser on the war between Israel and Hamas because that war is having reverberations around the world, including here on the streets of Canada. So we'll continue to talk about that. And I see by all polling that Canadians and Americans or Brits are following the war very closely. But that does not mean that there are not other issues around the world. And in fact, I think a lot of the issues that we talk about, wokeness, cultural Marxism, censorship, mass immigration, these are issues that have fed into the Israel-Hamas crisis, certainly how the crisis manifests itself on the streets of Canada. And so I want to bring you a story from Finland, a country very far away, a country that's not much in the news, but a country that has succumbed in some ways to this wokeness, this censorship. Recently, actually it's not that recently, a Finnish parliamentarian was criminally prosecuted for hate speech for her opposition to LGBTQ2S plus views. She uh, was victorious, but that was appealed, if I'm not mistaken, by Crown prosecutors to an appeal court. They really wanted to get their pound of flesh. Well, the good news is the Court of Appeal unanimously threw out the charges. But of course, as you know, the process is the punishment. What the heck was happening in Finland? Is it widespread in that country and elsewhere? Joining us now live via London to talk about it is Lois McClatchy Miller, who is an advocate with the Alliance Defending Freedom that helped the Finnish parliamentarian in court. Lois, nice to see you. Did I accurately sum up the facts of the case of, let me see if I can pronounce this Finnish name, of parliamentarian Paivi Rassanen. Did I get that That's right? A very, a very good pronunciation. Exactly. Very few can do it first time. So well done. Yes, Paivi uh, was indeed the politician and grandmother of a living um, and Christian who four years ago tweeted and she tweeted her church leadership. Um, and she said, we're in the Bible do you find justification to sponsor the Helsinki uh, Pride event? Uh, obviously, this was a debate going on in her church at the time. She was speaking into this cultural issue and she uh, raised that question to her church leadership. She attached a little uh, picture of some Bible verses from Romans. Well, little did she know that four years later, um, three criminal charges, two uh, court trials uh, later, we would be here. Finally, free speech prevailing. But what a journey it's been. She was charged, uh, yeah, criminally charged for that tweet and more. Well, I'm so glad you read out the wording of that tweet because it was certainly not a vile, grotesque, personal, coarse, or threatening tweet in any way. Rather, the opposite. It was a question. And by the way, that question could have an answer. That question is not ne necessarily hostile. It's where do you find 
the basis in the scripture for this? I mean, that's a question. Uh, if there's no answer to it, then maybe the question puts a point. And I think maybe she knew that. But that is the mildest tweet I've heard all day. I spend way too much time in the Twitter sphere. There's profanity. There's even threats. There's propaganda. This was a parliamentarian. If you look at the root of the word parliamentarian, it means to speak. Parliamentarian who was asking questions of her own church in a very respectful way. How did this criminal charge come about? What were the charges? Who filed them? Was it the state or was it a complainant? How did how did Pi V. Rassinen get prosecuted like a common criminal? Indeed. Well, that tweet triggered uh, a police investigation uh, and resulted in three criminal charges. So the first was for the tweet. The second was as they dug into her past, they found other things that she has said. And one was in a 2004 pamphlet that she had written for her church congregation. Oh and it was God. called Male and Female. He created them. So you might be able to guess a little bit of the, the theme that was going on there. And the uh, third charge was related uh, to an interview that she had done in 2019, a little bit like this one, uh, where she had gone on a radio show for an hour and she'd been asked lots of questions. And they took a small snippet out of that, uh, where she was speaking about marriage and sexuality. And they prosecuted her for that too. Now, all three of these charges uh, of hate speech actually fall under the but, uh, the part of the criminal, the Finnish criminal code, titled "War Crimes and Crimes Against Humanity." If you can believe it, it feels like I'm talking about a Babylon B article, but I'm not. That's exactly where those charges are filed under in the Finnish criminal code. So, and um, that's what Pivey has been facing uh, for these past four years. That's incredible. You know, uh, we've been focused over the last few weeks on virulent, sometimes violent hate speech, including sometimes threats that we've seen on the streets of London, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, around the world, calling for jihad, calling for, you know, in Sydney, they were chanting, gas the Jews. Uh, in, in many of those, most of those cases, there are no legal consequences, whatever, and not just legal consequences. You don't have the noble people, the official hate finders. None of them are even perturbed. By this, many of them are are amongst the chanters of these phrases, so they can't find uh, violent hate speech when it's being shouted at them. But they'll take a microscope and look mm -hmm. back to a 2004 church letter to prosecute a parliamentarian. That's insane. Is that how it is in Finland? I've never been to Finland. It's a small country, far away. The only thing. I know about Finland is uh, its former PM, that, you know, rave dancing queen pop star influencer Instagram prime minister who was quickly thrown out by voters. That's all I know about Finland. What do you know about it? Is it a, is it a woke place? I have trouble believing it's a woke place. Maybe it is. I think to focus too much on Finland itself would be to miss the, the great um, message of this story in a way, because I think it's really a message about Western culture as a whole. With ADF International, we get to have a bird's eye view of a global trend of censorship uh, that's spreading across the world. We have um, cases that we work on over in Pakistan and Nigeria where Christians are put on trial and through courts because of things that they've said either online or in person about their faith. And whilst the consequences for if Pivey had been found guilty would be very different in Europe, 
the the logic of a blasphemy law in say Pakistan and a hate speech ban in a country like Finland or another European country, because it's not only Finland that has these laws, is not so different at core. In my country, in Scotland, we're introducing a new hate speech law in the new year uh, that could have similar consequences to that in Finland. and Ireland, they're thinking about doing it there too. Uh, so this is really um, something that's spreading across the West and we're not quite recognizing it for what it is because it seeks to ban what they call hate speech. And hate speech sounds horrible. And, and most people would say, well, of course I'd like to ban hate mm -hmm. speech. Um, but what the problem is, is that we can't define that very well. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we end up with these vague laws where people like Pivey, who are innocent Christians tweeting uh, Bible verses, um, are put under the microscope and they're dragged through the courts as a consequence of laws that were perhaps initially intended or interpreted or interpreted to um, be about something much more vile. You know, you're so right. And one man's passionate remarks or another man's hate speech. I mean, um, th and that was my point about the absolute raw hatred we've seen on the streets. But the in the case of the United Kingdom, the Met, the Met Police of London say, oh, no, no, uh, you have to understand the context. Those were just peaceful verses from the Quran. And and the, what you quoted from Pivey, uh in in her tweet uh, was something to be prosecuted. Incredible, and you're right. This is all around the world. We interviewed some of our counterparts at Gript, which is a new independent uh, journalism group in in Dublin. And I'm I'm scared of what's going on. But you're right. It's not just Finland. It just happened to be an outbreak in Finland. But it's in Scotland. It's in Ireland. It's in the UK. We know it's here in Canada. Now, you guys at the ADF, you have been in the news recently for some other battles. Were, was it you guys who were providing the lawyers defending the lone, peaceful, I'm not even going to call her a protester, just the woman who was standing outside an abortion clinic, totally silent, and the cops came up to her and said, what are you thinking about? No, what are you thinking about? Are you praying what are you praying? Tell us what's inside your mind. Here's a clip of that just to remind you how insane that was. Can I please ask you to step away from here and step outside the exclusion zone? Uh, I'm just protesting and engaging in But you've said you're engaging in prayer, which is the offence. It's silent prayer. No, but you are still engaging in prayer. It is an offence. I disagree. Okay, then. So you would rather that uh, you be arrested and taken away? and stand outside the exclusion zone, is that what we're saying? You are outside here when you know you shouldn't be. Okay. The, the public space protection order says not to be stood outside here, doesn't it? I haven't seen that. It says protest. Yeah, protest. But people know who you are and they know why you're here. Okay then. No, no, I'm not protesting. But they will. And the people that consistently phone us, which are the residents and the people who use this place, are the ones that say that they know. And it's their perception of events, isn't it? I'm silently praying and that's all I'm doing. Okay. And it's their perception of events, which is people protesting. Now, I, I get what you're saying. I completely understand where you're coming from. But it's people's perception, isn't it? I think there has to be some measurable level of intimidation or harassment and that's not something that we can do. Okay then. Okay then. So what we'll start with is we're going to issue you with a ticket now and if you don't leave the area you'll then be arrested. Do you understand that? Okay. 
I won't ask if you're happy with that, but you're happy you understand the process. I understand. Yeah. Were you guys representing that that woman there? We were working on that case. We were supporting Isabel's legal defense. And Isabel, can you believe it, is actually only one of several individuals this year in the UK that we're supporting the legal defense of for their thought crimes. In fact, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going into courts um, to support uh, one of uh, the, the people that were helping, Adam Smith Connor, uh, who also was praying outside an abortion facility, uh, much like Isabel. And he was approached by officers, asked about the nature of his prayer, um, which eventually led to a criminal charge and a prosecution. Um, so we are hoping for justice to prevail, but this is another example of the censorship that is rolling out um, for people across the West under these kind of laws uh, that are specifically, unfortunately, ending up targeting Christians uh, and Christian prayer and Christian thoughts. And um, so it's, it is something that is, uh, we're working very hard on over here in the UK. Uh, but it is a great injustice to see people put behind bars simply for their thoughts. Yeah, I mean, the inquiries, what are you thinking? Tell us what's on in your mind, because what you answer, something turns on it. If you're not thinking the right thought, like that is literally, technically, dictionary definition thought crime. You know, and again, I can't help but think about some sites I saw in these massive pro-Hamas protests in London, where hundreds of Muslim men started to pray on the streets, blocking streets to, to get down and pray. And we've seen that in other cities, too, in, in North America. And uh, I mean, I, I just can't even imagine a, pro a policeman or a prosecutor saying, excuse me, sir, can you tell me what you're thinking about? Can you tell me what's on your mind as you pray? I mean, they would never do that because they're terrified. Uh, and the cops have said as much. The police in London have said as much. I think that's what Suella Braverman um, mentioned when she said there's two-tier policing. She's been sacked from the cabinet. Well, listen, I'm I'm glad you guys are fighting. I have only recently started to detect your group, ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. And it looks like you are doing work around the world. Give me just uh, 90 seconds on some of the other battles you guys are fighting, because the more I look into it, the more you guys are fighting for civil liberties everywhere. We really are. I'm so proud to be uh, part of this organization, mostly because of what I get to see my colleagues do around the world. So over um, in other parts of the world, we've got people who are defending cases on, with individuals on death row um, who have, um, we have Yahya in Nigeria, who was, uh, who has been given a death penalty for having uh, committed blasphemy uh, via WhatsApp. Uh, and I've got colleagues who are working over there to support his legal defense, to up, to stand up for his freedom, to share his faith. Over in Asia, we've got a team who are working on very similar cases where uh, Christians have been persecuted uh, because of what they believe in. And over here in Europe, working at a different um, scale of persecution, but still seeing people who are uh, discriminated because of their beliefs. So we've got a team that's working at all the major political institutions in Europe, as well as on the ground, supporting lawyers uh, to find justice uh, for these people and set precedents in cases that can help everybody uh, in society to protect their rights and to, to flourish. Well, that's very exciting. You know, here in Canada, we have uh, something called the Democracy Fund, which was created during the pandemic to fight back against civil liberties violations. It's exciting that groups like ADF are active, not just in the UK, but around the world. I want to read out your website for those who are interested. It's adfinternational.org. And 
I'm I'm so and I I detected you because when I saw these people being harassed by police, asked what what's on their mind, I looked into it and I was delighted and relieved to learn that they were getting legal help. I know when I was a young man before I had any means, I was often in trouble with censors or politically correct people, and you just can't afford a lawyer. You don't even know how to get a lawyer. And uh, I, I certainly haven't forgot that now that I am able to muster lawyers and I know my way around. One of my favorite things about the Democracy Fund, and it's what ADF International is doing, is giving people a lawyer because that's you just need those to fight back. You need other things, too, in the fight back, but lawyers are a must. Well, listen, Lois McClatchy Miller, what a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you for giving us the update, and congratulations to the Finnish a parliamentarian. I'm just going to say your name one more time just to practice Pivy. And um, but I take your point. It's not a particularly Finnish thing. We've seen the same around Europe, in the UK, and in Canada. I can't think of a case in the United States offhand, but there probably are cases there too, despite their First Amendment. So keep up the fight, Lois, and uh, we'll keep an eye peeled. And if you have more stories like this, make sure to give us a bell. I will. Thank you so much, Esma. Thanks for showing these stories to the rest of the world. Well, we sure will, and we'll continue to do it. There you have it, Lois McClatchy Miller from ADF, the Alliance for Defending Freedom. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your letters to me, ex-YouTube Canadian says... That's a whole lot better than the hate marches we've seen in support of Hamas terrorists, 300,000 strong. Yeah, there there was no shouts for jihad. There was no calls for intifada, uh, no calls for murder. There was sorrow, in fact. It's a little bit different, isn't it? Stephen Cruz says, the haters keep claiming not to hate. Ridiculous. Well, not just they claim not to hate. So many of them are professional anti-hate activists, diversity, equity, inclusion activists. Uh, so many of the people who've been so hateful have actually been the ones um, who claim to be part of the tolerance industry. Callum Anderson says the fact that she covers her face and voice says a lot. Just wow. You're talking about that alleged high school student who's dressed up like a terrorist. Well, if there was some active anti-Islamic activism or something in school, which I find hard to believe, by the way, uh, why wouldn't you just complain about it? I mean, there's certainly no shortage of journalists who would cover it, no shortage of politicians and lawyers who would champion it. I think it's because she's a propagandist and, and a liar, but she's role-playing as a terrorist. To make a secret video wrapped up like that, that's live-action role-playing as a terrorist. It's so gross. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. Freedom.